Alright. Ready, Noah? Got it. Oh, I'm gonna need you louder than that. Check one more time. Noah, check. Cool. One, two. Awesome. Good to go? Yes. All right. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Tim Galligan, and welcome to the Ghost of Real Estate. On today's show, we have a special guest, Noah Seidman. Noah is a crypto expert by trade, a software engineer, and today we're here to talk about crypto. What is crypto? Currency? How did it come to evolution? What's going on? Should you buy crypto? Where to buy crypto? Everything you need to know about crypto is on today's show. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Noah. Good Noah, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you. No, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. This is, uh, I'm really excited for this show. We've, uh, we've personally had a lot of talk about crypto in our office. Um, everyone's talking about it, not even in the office, just all over, man. It's like the new, uh, you know, I don't know how new it is, but <clears throat> it's becoming more and more uh, popular. So uh, love for you to talk about um, what you do, um, how you got involved in crypto and educate us a little bit. It's kind of, more fun to start from where we are rather than the origins but um it's not what everyone thinks it is uh, folks see assets folks see uh, securities stuff on the stock market and the first thing that comes to mind is buy low sell high that is a day traders mentality and um sure i could digress back into how i started but it's so much more fun what's going on nowadays and the <laughs> narrative that I have been um, forming and fomenting over the last basically two years at this point. I look at these as assets, just like real estate assets. Right. You're able to collateralize these assets. You're able to take on debt with these assets. You're able to borrow cash and put cash to work, earning interest by providing liquidity to exchange markets. Um, starting the story in this fashion predominantly because I'm not a fan of buy low, sell high, doge to the moon and all that fancy stuff that is very much um, <laughs> pervasive in media. And one of my, uh, I'll let you proceed, but one of my favorite uh, phrases is, we can do better. Everyone could do better. And they really deserve a story to allow them to attack these markets more professionally and um, more productively and more effectively. Got it. All right, so yeah, there's a ton ton of hype around all these um, individual coins, but taking it back even further, because I do own cryptocurrency, to be completely honest with you, I barely even know what it is. Um, I, I really don't. Uh, it's a bit complicated for, for me to comprehend, um, but I bought it anyway. Um, got in on it and you know see, see what happens with it. So what is crypt cryptocurrency as, as a whole? How would you best explain what it actually is and what, it, what is the, the use of it? I would like to focus the information I convey away from the technology because we're way past folks needing to know what it is. Folks need to know what to do with it, how to capitalize on it, how to consume it, and deploy it these are assets not like a security somewhat like a, a commodity in many regards very comparable to real estate assets and um they're deployable and they are uh, manageable in a structured portfolio 
And nowadays I talk about them in terms of a balance sheet, even more so than a portfolio. So crypto assets, we're way past the story of technologically what they are. They have properties and these properties are extraordinarily comparable to everything everyone engages with, whether it's a stock, whether it's a bond, whether it's a fiat currency like a US dollar or a British pound or a Chinese yuan or a piece of real estate, these are assets. Got it, so people, so the whole point is, is buying these assets. Now, I remember, man, probably like four years ago um, when crypto, I mean, for me, I first heard of it and I went on to, I forget how I did it, but it was on like Binance and I was using this wallet. I had this thing hooked up to my computer. I was transferring this thing here and moving all this different stuff around to ultimately Coinbase. Um, and from there, it's just taken on like a, a whole new realm of, of what it is. My first question in the beginning is, um, obviously these, these cryptocurrencies can be used as a form of well, currency. How does the government not put a stop to that? They don't need to, and they likely don't want to. Now, obviously they're conflicted um, because they have in their mind a vested interest in the US dollar. Right. And there's a huge amount of wealth stored in status quo infrastructure. Uh, for instance, the retirement generation is dependent on 401ks, Roth IRAs, IRAs, so on and so forth. So they have to support the markets. They, can't they have to prevent a deflationary implosion of the markets, which is all of this QE. They're printing and printing to keep the markets inflated. Um, so they're in a, this is a very interesting time because why they, while they want to regulate it, I hypothesize that there's a lot of persons in government, uh, especially at, at the Fed and, um, uh, and other agencies, that are shrugging their shoulders saying, yeah, we're not gonna be able to do that. Uh, and this plays into China and the digital yuan, which is the Chinese national digital currency um, that is highly competitive, extremely functional, um, and in many regards, uh, more powerful than the US dollar. And they're in rollout stages uh, right now with hundreds of millions of active testers. So the US is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Right. Because Silicon Valley is something they wanted to support because the technology produced NASDAQ and it created a huge boom. This is something comparable to what happened. It could be a huge economic uh, a boom uh, to the U.S. economy, while also being um, a complexity for the U.S. dollar, and also potentially the only way the U.S. could compete against the Chinese digital yuan. Um, does the U.S. Uh, would they possibly make their own digital currency versus relying on crypto? Almost assuredly. Now, they're probably debate. They're debating this at the Fed. Uh, almost assuredly, uh, they'll probably want to create their own CBDC, central bank digital currency. Right. Um, so the question in my mind comes down to, are they gonna head down the road of a totalitarian implementation, which is what China's doing with the digital yuan, Chinese Communist Party, they're totalitarian, they could do anything they want. And there's a variety of details I could get into of uh, why and how it, uh, a digital currency can be used to um, reinvigorate a, a floundering or, a, or an unstructured economy. 
Um, but um, it's more likely than less that they just go full on open source adoption of these public networks um, because that's the American way. Uh, the entrepreneurship, permissionless systems, and, and they're, they're, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because they want to have control over these systems. Right. But it's so incredibly powerful and lucrative to the U.S. economy if they just unleash them. Interesting. So there's uh, <clears throat> there's two different, and correct me if I'm wrong. Again, I barely know what I'm talking about with crypto, but there's two different types, a coin and a token, correct? True. Okay, and, and my understanding is that a coin is used as a currency, much like a U.S. coin would be, and a token... And a token is used as a um, a platform or a uh, a software. Is that accurate? The true statement, uh, but I would uh, restate. Uh, think of all of them as assets. Don't distinguish between the technology uh, underpinning them, um, because uh, there's a significant difference between uh, a token, which would be technically called like a UTXO asset. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a coin, which would be a UTXO asset, or a token, which would be more so like an Ethereum ERC-20 product. So clearly it gets quite technical. But what's most important is all of them have properties. And the properties, the most fundamental of properties to look at for any asset that you look at on in your portfolio, on, on Coinbase or Gemini or whatever, is uh, the properties of money. The same conversations that the Federal Reserve has with regard to inflation, deflation, monetary velocity, and liquidity is the exact same thing I discuss with regard to these assets. Right. Now, Bitcoin, uh, I remember when Bitcoin specifically was at like $3,500 in the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, through that, they began to uh, Bitcoin began to pick up institutional money, and and has since, well, as we're speaking today, has ten times, but was up as high as sixty five thousand dollars for a single coin. Um, how did that happen? Well, markets move in trends. Trends are based on uh, the dissemination or the propagation of ideology throughout a society. So a lot of what I discuss on my YouTube channel is emotions. It's all about emotions. It's all about right. conversation. It's all about fads. It's all about opportunity. Um, and the way I started really, my, my story was peering through the insanity. Dogecoin wasn't hot back in March of uh, 2020. Right. Oh, there was no safe mode or any of that garbage. Um, and I wanted to peer through all of that, which I knew was going to emerge, because that's exactly what happened in 2017 and 2018, 2013 and 2014. The same cycles repeat because humans are predictable because we all have the same emotions. We all want to capitalize. We all want to seek out opportunity to achieve uh, capital gains. And we just experienced that this morning um, right. with uh, the market correction. So is that market correct correction because, um, because Tesla will not take Bitcoin anymore? Oh, it's, yeah, he shouldn't have been taking Bitcoin in the first place. Uh, he's um, exuberant, uh, uh, hyperbolic. Uh, you know, it speaks in hyperbole. Um, it, Bitcoin is the worst form of payment. It, it's slow. It's inefficient. And... 
there's no technological reason to accept it as payment because we expect the price to go up. So nobody wants to sell it, and that's okay. Right. So it shares properties of gold, but it's not gold because it's extremely volatile. It shares properties of currency, but it's not stable, so it's not currency. It has properties of money because it has inf uh, decaying inflation, which is technically called disinflation. It ha now has deflationary pressures, and it sure as heck has monetary velocity because it's a collateralizable asset. You could lend it and borrow it. So it's literally a mixture right. of many different systems that we're used to interacting with. So it's, um, it's funny that you say that. So you can borrow up against these assets. Um, I was reading something, I, I, I think, and I might be way off here, but I'm pretty sure Fidelity backs it. Um, but there is a system or uh, some type of an app where you can go on and you can borrow up against, on a, much like you would on a home, uh, of a 50% 50 50 loan to value on your crypto. Um, and I believe it's based off the, p the price that you paid for it and not the market value. Well, it's principal, it's collateral. So what you have is two systems, and this, this is really the meat and potatoes of what's really going on and why the US and the Fed and the digital yuan, and you'll see it all over in other countries, uh, 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 Great Britain's talking about it. Um, every country is talking about it because of how powerful it is. Um, you'll have two, two, two classifications. You'll have centralized organizations like uh, Obviously, Coinbase, Gemini, Celsius, BlockFi, uh, Fidelity, and the institution, the institutional providers, where it's a company providing custody of these assets. And sure, they'll take custody and they'll let you borrow money against them, and that's great. And you, you guys run that in the real estate world, where right. you're able to collateralize a property, access equity, use that equity as leverage to buy another property. Right. And then you could do it again. You have another property, so you have more equity, and that's right. how that whole spiral or um, uh, cyclical uh, effect plays out. Um, but the new thing, which the general public predominantly doesn't know of, is the decentralized um, financial infrastructure um, that's completely permissionless. So, sure, you could borrow like 50% uh, loan to value ratio on the centralized organizations. Uh, they're rehypothecating your assets. Um, they're lending them out, and that's how you get interest on, on that some of the like Coinbase and Gemini are offering nowadays. Um, and I'm not a fan of rehypothecation necessarily, um, unless it's over collateralized. Um, so it's another, these terminologies are obviously very relevant. Uh, so DeFi, which many, most probably haven't heard of, but many may have, um, is software that runs, uh, so you said, Coins and tokens. Right. So this DeFi runs on token networks, particularly the Ethereum network. And then there's a new network called Polygon that's ultra fast. The capital efficiency is through the roof. Fractions of a penny a transaction. And Ethereum's a little expensive at this point. Anyway, um, all over the place. But in DeFi, it's permissionless. So when you go to collateralize a home, you got to go to a bank, they got to do a title search, and they, they got to get all their underwriting an order right in DeFi, i could take a million dollars worth of assets and borrow three hundred thousand dollars in two seconds two seconds right the click of a button for a fraction of a penny it, it really changes the entire process of managing uh capital in more than a portfolio because if you're collateralizing collateralizing assets and taking on debt that sure as heck sounds like a balance sheet of a business 
So speaking of a business, you'd mentioned earlier that um, that you were really organizing this and, and treating this as a business with your own portfolio and uh, however you management, uh, however you manage it. Uh, you want to tell us more about that, uh, more how someone would get started in doing that and what they can expect. So here's the kicker, and here's the here's the novel thing that I kind of started hinting at. Most folks see these assets as buy low, sell high. Right. Buy it low and sell it when it's high. And that's not easy because a lot of times there's an emotional attachment. A lot of times you're gonna hold it for a couple of years and it's gonna go really high, but what's the end game? What's the plan? When do you sell? You sell for cash? What do you do with that cash? Do you invest in another asset? It's very complicated and that's day trade day trading mentality. Right. What I've deployed in the crypto space is uh, a business structure mentality um, because when you're trading, when people are trading like that, people can provide liquidity to traders. Uh, liquidity is, um, is basically what a bank does. So when you put a deposit into a bank, you're providing liquidity to the bank, capital right. to the bank, and the bank is able to lend mortgages and issue car loans. So you're literally giving the bank liquidity so they could capitalize on the money and give you a fraction of a percent interest. Right. So what I do is I provide a crypto bank liquidity so traders can transact between assets and I'm able to get a fraction of the transaction cost. Um, and I'm also able to rehypothecate my assets, lend my assets in an over collateralized fashion. And that's the big kicker. When you get debt uh, on, uh, when you get a mortgage, 10% down, 20% down. Yep. If, some, if someone defaults on that debt, the bank's on the hook. They just lost a boatload of money. Right. In, in the crypto space, it's over collateralization. If I want to borrow money, I got to put down more money than I want to borrow. There's no systemic risk. So what crypto has done or started to do is really flip the entire legacy system on its head. It's taking the failures and flaws of the legacy system and fixing them. The risk is now on the borrower. If I don't pay back my debt, the bank, the crypto bank, is just going to sell the assets I gave them as collateral for the loan. It alleviates systemic risk. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you proceed with the thought, but my favorite phrase uh, nowadays is be the bank, because now we can be a bank. So the only way to do that would be to lend out with a loan to value that's much lower than 50%. Okay, so the way the systems work is it's all digital. It's all right. managed by software. So there's no persons, there's no nothing. Uh, so you have a console, it's called Aave.com, A-A-V-E, uh, $20 billion worth of capitalization at this point. Um, and there's other platforms that are very comparable to Forex, which, uh, which is basically the transaction of, uh, of fiat currencies. So you have multiple types of dollar fiat currencies in the crypto space. So if one, someone wants to change fiat A to fiat B, 
great. I'm more than happy to provide dollars to that system to facilitate that transaction and take a portion of the transaction fees. And that's called curve finance amongst a laundry list of other platforms that are building these types of implementations. Just like we see on Coinbase and we see Doge and all these tiny little no-name assets, every programmer around the world sees what's happening with big major DeFi platforms like Aave and Curve, and they're either duplicating them, copying them, trying to make it better. They'll never disrupt them because of a phrase called network effect. Um, so Aave works on, uh, there's another one called MakerDAO, that's a wonderful platform. Um, but Aave works on a loan to value, uh, for instance, um, 50%. So if I post $50,000 worth of Bitcoin, I could borrow $25,000. Right. Now the complexity is that Bitcoin is extremely volatile, such as today, if it drops right. 30%, I'm gonna get liquidated. Uh, if, if my collateral falls below the, 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 the capital requirement, they're gonna sell my Bitcoin so that they could pay off my debt for me. Got it. No risk on the system. Got it. So the, the platform takes no risk at all, unlike the banking system, and that's exactly why it crashed in 08. Um, so, when you, so when you're borrowing against your asset, you're taking the risk that that thing doesn't fall, because if it falls, they're selling it without asking you twice. Yeah, it's no human, no please don't do it. Mathematically, if it falls below a threshold, it's gone. So now, it, as a business wow. operator, the way I talk about it, is, is my responsibility to, to protect my capital. I gotta maintain that optimal collateralization ratio. I effectively over-collateralize. So if it's a, if it's 50% of the value of the maximum, I'm at uh, uh, 200, 300% collateralization. So Bitcoin would have to drop to like 15, $20,000 right. for me to get liquidated. And that's exactly what happened today. Bitcoin dropped to $30,000 and my liquidation threshold wasn't even on the radar. And I have a large amount of capital that I borrowed, added to my balance sheet as cash, deployed it, using it to generate revenue. Interesting. So where does the cash come from? So, so uh, you say there's not a person or something like that, but if you give your Bitcoin and you borrow against it, where does that cash come from? Other people that are collateralizing or providing liquidity to the system. Uh, there's $20 billion worth of liquidity in the Aave system. For instance, I also put cash into Aave along with Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, uh, Aave is an asset unto itself and Matic and I provide these assets for Aave to use its software with to perform all these functions automatically. It's literally running the business for me. All I have to do is provide the capital. Interesting. So, what um, when you provide the capital, what kind of return are you? What kind of return is offered out on that? 30, 40, 50 percent. Where does that come from? That's the best question of all. It comes from transaction fees as a base component. So, if I provide half a million dollars to Curve Finance, I'm getting about nine percent right now on that capital from transaction fees. By people that have asset A, they want asset B, they use my liquidity to facilitate that transaction. Someone 
wants to go back, they go back. If someone wants to go forward, they go forward. There's hundreds of thousands of people in this market that are going back and forth all day. And I'm getting 0.02% of the transaction, every transaction. And there's tens of thousands of people that are providing this kind of liquidity, capitalizing on cash. Clearly, there's the concept of stable coins when it's digital cash. And then there's an entire technological conversation of how these stable coins achieve their dollar value. We don't need to digress in that. We could remain more business centric. But cash works in the crypto space. What could you do with cash? The only thing you could do with cash in the real world, the first thing anyone thinks to do with cash, what am I going to buy? They want to buy something. They don't want the cash. It doesn't do anything. You can't put it in a bank account. You're going to get nothing from it. Bonds are giving you peanuts a percent or two. But with cash in the crypto space, you could get double-digit returns like it's nothing. Wow. That's interesting. Now, obviously, there's uh, there's a lot more risk there with the volatility of crypto as a whole, though, right? Well, now this is where the over-collateralization comes in. Right. And if I was able to safely navigate a day like today, a 32% dip on Bitcoin in one day, and manage my business and prevent liquidation um, and, and maintain optimal collateralization while cash is deployed and working for me, I'm a successful business operator right. under the most harsh of conditions. Right. A liquidity event. Yeah, that's interesting. So risk, the risk, risk is to be managed and mitigated. Very interesting. Um, so <clears throat> there's obviously coins that I think most people would know of by now. So you have Bitcoin, you have Ethereum, uh, like the two main big ones. And then you have, I feel like we're at a point where all these coins that are known as shit coins, right? Um, such as Doge, is that a shit coin? Oh yeah. Right. I just bought one called Cumrocket, right? For oh, yeah. the adult entertainment industry. Um, that one skyrocketed, um, but then sure. went back down. These things are up and down all over the place. Um, would you stay away from those? Would you go into them? Would you, is that more of like a day trade play and cash out where you can to buy the real stuff? I have no time to right. day trade that. The appropriate course of action is to capitalize on that and extract as much money as possible. And then we could get into a whole psychological conversation, which I'm going to avoid about what is an actual market and how it functions and the, the emotions and the psychology that go into how we capitalize. It's a very interesting conversation. But point being, I can't do it. They're useless assets to me. I can't do anything with them. Right. I can't operate them in a business. Not, it's not even about the volatility. I could manage the volatility. I can mitigate the risks. I can't collateralize them. Right. So I break down the market between collateralizable and non-collateralizable assets because collateralizable assets, I could access the equity in them just like a house and turn them into a business and turn my portfolio into a balance sheet. Got it. I completely understand now. Okay. Um, now there's also these other coins that maybe you're like middle of the road coins, right? Again, I barely know what I'm talking about, but I'm going for it here. So we got things like uh, Cardano, Polkadot, um, uh, Lewis, what's that other one? Matic? Matic? 
Cardano is a great asset and it runs on speculation. So now we get into how do you assess an asset? So the monetary policy is always meaningful from a currency standpoint. How inflationary is it? How deflationary is it? And what kind of velocity? If you can't collateralize an asset, it has zero monetary velocity. Monetary velocity is um, the way the U.S. government measures their M2 money supply with, and based predominantly on when you, whether you could lend or borrow it. Right. So if you can't collateralize an asset, that has no monetary velocity. And monetary velocity is one of the most intoxicating properties of a financial system. It draws in capital hand over fist because people are searching for opportunity. And when they emotionally smell monetary velocity, they go fly. So the, the other properties of assets, speculative, uh, they're building something Got it. in the future. It's coming soon. We don't know when it's coming, but it's really cool. That's speculation. Right. And speculation is synonymous in many regards with uh, gambling. Right. Uh, it, may, <laughs> it may come, may happen. It should happen. It probably will happen. But it's not here today. Got it. I can't operate a business based on speculation. I could operate in a business based on assets that have properties and functionality that exist right now. Would you take, if you had um, X amount in collateralized um, coin, right? Take, take the cash out refi, let's call it out of that, and buy speculative coins for the future or a certain percentage of that cash out refi put towards a speculative coin? Like a growth pot. In theory, maybe. Right. And, but I, I would do it as an opportunistic play. Because right. I, I, I look at the technical charts and if I smell a breakout, like something that's clearly gonna rip like 20%, maybe, but I'm very risk averse. When I borrow cash, I deploy it as cash because I can, can't do that in legacy finance. Right. So every dollar that I have working for me, earning 30, 40, 50% on the dollar, I could repay the debt in about two to three seconds. Where's the risk? I, and I can, so Ethereum is very expensive right now. That it, Ethereum is where all of this started and really where it's all heading. It's the network that created all of this decentralized finance. Right. And the new, the new thing that just launched about, I say launched about a, a month ago, it's been in development for the last two years, but the narrative, the story experienced a critical inflection point one month ago was Matic. And if you look at the chart on Matic, it's basically vertical for the last month, about five, 600%. Um, and that's where a good part of my, uh, principal allocation is for a very specific reason. Um, it plays into the Ethereum narrative. It does, it performs the same functionality. I could operate my business on, it's called Polygon, but the asset's called Matic. Right. And the transactions are a fraction of a penny. Got it. The transactions on Ethereum, two, three, four hundred dollars a pop. Each one. If you tried to do a transaction this morning when the market was on fire, it would have been two, three, four thousand dollars a transaction. Meanwhile, while all of that craziness was unfolding, I was firing off transactions on Polygon for a fraction of a penny, doing the exact same thing. Is it only a matter of time until Polygon ups their um, transaction fees? 
it's not their choice. It's not something they have control over. No. So, okay, I see. So Polygon is a competitor to Ethereum. Polygon is synergistic with Ethereum. Ethereum is the base layer for Polygon. Understood. Polygon uses okay. Ethereum for data storage and consensus, which is basically like a proof that the information is correct. So in theory, if you had, let's say you had one Bitcoin right now. Noah, here's one, one Bitcoin, right? You're going to take that. You're going to take a loan up against it. And your loan amount is going to be for how much? Uh, let's, let's say Bitcoin is 40 grand right now. I'd probably borrow about 15 grand against it. Okay, then you're going to take that 15 grand and you're either going to put that back into working capital into, what was it called, agave? I would, I would put it into curve finance. Curve finance. And then you would make uh, 40 to 50% return on that 15,000? It varies. The base, uh, the base APY is about eight to nine percent, I believe, right now. Obviously, I'm not looking at it at the moment, but that's the yield from the transaction fees. And then there's an incentivized yield on top of it, which is another complicated story about monetary policy and some of the middle tier assets you were talking about that have uh, extraordinary potential. Got it. And then with that yield, you would be buying Matic, for example. Oh, with the, so with the base layer, the yield is in dollars that are auto compounding. So it's a, it's a, it's auto compounding. Einstein said compounding is the eighth wonder of the world. Wonderful, I love it. It's a business. So the uh, incentivized emissions, which are about thirty-five percent of it, are automatically denominated in Matic. I don't even have to do anything. Really? So now, so now you're gonna say where where do the emissions come from, and also. It's never going to last. So there's a couple of thoughts there. One, the emissions are incentivized. So it's only a small period of time that they last probably the rest of the year, give or take. Then you, then you could say, there's always another opportunity. There's always someone else throwing around an incentive, trying to kickstart monetary velocity, right. trying to start a business. So there's always another opportunity to seek out. And then you'll say, uh, fine, if they're throwing around 30 40% in incentives, uh, that's probably going to go down. And you're right. If someone throws it as capital flows in, it gets diluted. Right. The, the yield spreads around. Sure, that's going to get diluted. But if you got all that capital flowing in, the transactions are going to start flying because the monetary velocity is blossoming. So now your base APY is going to go up. The incentives will get diluted. The base APY will go up. You'll probably hover around. Five to fifteen percent, probably in the next one to two years. Hey, beats point zero two percent in the bank account. Right. No, it makes sense. So, if you were just getting started or interested in investing in crypto, what would be? Uh, where would you start? Uh, what platform would you buy it on? How would you do it? This is the most important thing, and that I, I ever say to everyone I talk to: dollars. Don't buy a single thing. Put your dollars onto, well, this is called a ledger device. Right. And it's a hardware wallet. Uh, obviously, that's an entire conversation of how to's and whatnot. So uh, put, get your cash on here and put it into a crypto bank that works for you. Instead of you putting your cash into a bank that gives you nothing. And here's the kicker. Um, there's 15% debasement, give or take, right about now. 
Uh, so if you have a million dollars next year based on debasement, you don't have a million dollars. You have $850,000 if you keep that cash in a bank account. They're giving you no interest. Um, and that's the cost of goods rising, services, so on and so forth. Sure. It's about 15% based on some anecdotal observations of the Chapwood Index uh, data. Um, so that kind of forces us to do something. So I always tell everyone, you have a guaranteed loss of money if you keep your money in the legacy financial system. So I sure as heck would prefer a risk over a guaranteed loss of money. At least I have a choice. Right. At least I have the hope of potentially not losing money. So cash, cash on a ledger, cash to Ave. Ave.com is the bank of the crypto space. There's a lot. There's compound finance. There's, there's a whole... To the, it's a whole ecosystem. So you'd be the lender, not the buyer. I'm the bank. The bank. Wow. All right. We came full circle. I see what you're saying. I lend. Right. People borrow from me, and I provide liquidity. That's the business. Interesting. This is exactly what banks do. Right. So you're giving the car loans and the mortgages. Very interesting. Interest. And it's scalable because it compounds. So when you say compounds, what, do, what exactly do you mean by, I know what compound means, but how do, what, what is compounding? The principle that you're putting in? The more principle you have, the more yield you get. Right, and then the it's compounding get, from there. It compounds and it just spirals. And obviously once you, and then as a business, just the same way you operate a business, once you read a, reach a critical threshold of capitalization of the business, the business owner starts to draw a salary. Right. Just like a business. So same with me. Once I reach a, a critical amount of capitalization, I'm more than happy to take a salary. Um, <clears throat> do you fear at all um, how safe your money is on a platform like this? It's not safe in a bank account. They're taking 15% of your money every year. I will take a risk over a guaranteed loss any day. It's been like this for the last two years, and the interest rates uh, have been extraordinary. Uh, which is fascinating, predominantly because of fear. Um, and fear preserves opportunity for the fearless. So, okay, so uh, Bitcoin in itself at an, on an annual um, basis is increasing by what? 200%? 200% per year. So if I were to take, how does this strategy play out? If you were to take a Bitcoin, one Bitcoin, I borrow 20, say it's fifty thousand dollars. I borrow twenty-five thousand against it, and I buy another bit. Another, I buy a half a bitcoin. All right? Then I borrow up against it. I buy more, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Isn't that going to yield um, more value over the course of time versus being the bank? It's called leverage. Uh, so that's a leverage trade. And today, what happened today? Thirty something, thirty-two percent dip in bitcoin was the leverage trades exploding. Right. So what happens is you get the depreciative cycle, you get the liquidation event, then you have the cascade of leverage trades exploding. Sure, leverage trading can be very profitable, but it could also destroy a portfolio, destroy a balance sheet, and take out, down the entire house of cards. Now it won't affect DeFi because They're it's over collateralized. Correct, right. Um, but it's it's quite destructive uh, with regard to the price point. It's not for me. It's just a choice. Right. And 
I know plenty of folks that I talk with that I give guidance to that uh, leverage trade and um, that, you know, I don't, I'm, I, I prefer, I want to be the person sitting back watching a computer screen and watching the, uh, the interest rate go up in real time. Yeah, that sounds nice. The bank. Good stuff. Um, you mentioned uh, YouTube. If someone wanted to uh, learn more about the space, uh, learn more about you, what you do, some tips, insights, uh, how, can they, uh, how can they find you and learn more? Three great places. Uh, one, obviously, myself, Noah Seidman, S-E-I-D-M-A-N on YouTube. Um, I'm also, I have a Discord server with a whole lot of folks that are doing things well, and they adhere to the philosophy of we can do better. Um, so daily YouTube streams, 11.30 a.m. Uh, DeFi Dad, D-E-F-I Dad is another great resource on uh, Twitter. Um, he uh, has the tutorials that'll show people how to do these things with their ledger device. Bankless HQ will talk about some of the ideology that I talk about, about becoming bankless. Who needs a bank? You could do all this stuff bankless. Awesome. And obviously me on Twitter, same name. Awesome. No, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know I learned a lot. I hope everyone else did as well, too. Pleasure, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Talk soon, man. Cheers. You want me to do it right now? Yeah. Um, that was interesting stuff. Eh? I don't know. I don't pay attention. No. Noah's, Noah's Sideman. Be the bank. What's up, bro? What's up, man? How are you? Good. Hey. right? Yeah. Yeah, I just wrapped up, yeah. yeah. What's up, man? Is nice everything right? Nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. I appreciate well, it. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, Hi. Uh, you want me to speak into here? Into that camera, yeah. Sorry. That camera. <laughs> Like I need to say with special guest Noah. Yeah. yeah. Oh and man. Cool. What's up, guys? I'm your host Tim Galligan, and welcome to the Ghost of Real Estate. On today's podcast, we're going to learn a bit about crypto with special guest Noah Seidman. Noah, welcome to the show. Do, I, do you need this video?